0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Cassandra, and Cassandra was married to a charming, rage-filled abuser. It's a story of threats, using kids as pawns, shame, the broken court system, and smear campaigns. And now, if you want to be a part of our show, and we're always looking for stories, everyone, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. You click that button. There's all these instructions, and we will go from there. Also, at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support. You click on that button. It takes you to our very own safe social network. We have people on there, our community members who are posting in our forums. We have integrated Zoom meetings every Wednesday and Saturday night. We have meditation nights. We have closure ceremonies. We have just a great group of people on there who are there to support you. So if you want some extra support, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, click that support button at the top of the page, and we will see you there. Now, for even more support, please do go to domesticshelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. Domesticshelters.org offers an extensive library and articles and resources That can help you make sense of what you're experiencing. And they can connect you with local resources like shelters too. And you can also find ways to heal and move forward by going to DomesticShelters.org. So if you want to access DomesticShelters.org, just go to DomesticShelters.org. How many times can I say? Go there and access this free resource today. And we haven't had a lot of reviews lately on our on our on our podcast here so if everyone wants to go and go to Apple re- reviews and and review our podcast and give some great reviews we would really appreciate it we haven't done a shout out for that in a a long time. I think I said "shut out." I hope I didn't swear. I was speaking really fast there. But if you can do that, please do go to Apple Reviews because that's where most of our traffic comes from, and give us some uh, nice new reviews. And you know, other you know, Apple has been really good to us. If it wasn't for Apple and, and starting this podcast or starting this medium of podcasting, we wouldn't be able to do any of this. So, big thanks to Apple for creating this in, in the first place. And what else do I have here for everyone? Um, Oh, once again, we have a sponsor, Bloomers Trading Co. And Bloomers Trading Co. hand makes stylish garlands for modern events and home and wants you to finally enjoy gathering together with your friends and loved ones this holiday season. Bloomers Trading Co. is known worldwide for their like real durable holiday and Christmas garlands. And if you order before November 20th, they are offering listeners to this show 10% off. So head on over to BloomersTradingco.com for 10% off all your holiday and Christmas garlands. Now these always sell out fast and I don't want you to miss out on this, this holiday season. So please do go to our sponsor bloomers trading co. And that will be in the show notes for you to click on a link. And what else uh, is going on here today? Well, um, you know, some people have still been sending in uh, letters to our letters to our narcissist episode that we no longer do. So we're going to now play a letter for you before the show starts. And, you know, this one's a short one, but a thank you to the person who sent this in. So here you go.
1: Dear family. I could write pages of explanation, but it would mean nothing to you, so I'll just say goodbye. I'll always love you, and maybe one day you'll finally understand, but I'm not holding my breath. No regards or signature on this one, because you know who I am,
0: and I am not yours truly anymore and once again thank you so much to the person that sent in that letter we all appreciated everyone in the community thank you so much for for doing that and we're here with you and hopefully you're doing okay and before we start our show i just want to thank Cassandra for being on our show and this was an interesting story because in, in Cassandra's story in a lot of ways her marriage was bad but the nightmare mostly began not mostly a bigger nightmare that you that you couldn't see coming or she couldn't see coming was going to happen in, in the divorce process so it's a, a really interesting story of how she gets there and i really want to thank cassandra for being part of the show and for being just a really sweet person and now without further ado here is my episode with cassandra Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Cassandra. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing okay. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good, and thank you for being here today. Today, we are going to hear your story of your 11 and a half year marriage to a charming yet rage-filled abuser. And I'm sorry you had to go through this, but you're here with us today to share your story and share your knowledge. So a big thank you for being here. And now, without further ado, Cassandra, the floor is now yours.
1: Thank you for having me on the show. Um, It was really hard for me to talk about this in the beginning, but the last few years of my life, I've seen the importance of sharing this story. Okay. I was raised in a very Christian home. Um, had three younger brothers. Uh, we were, had a lot of responsibilities, had to help a lot around the house, and very strict religious family, and I was a very, um, a people pleaser. So we were taught, you know, treat everybody with love and kindness. And I kind of looked at everybody with the, those lenses, I think, and just thought that everybody was, you know, kind of like me and nobody's out there is going to try to hurt you or do anything purposeful, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And we always worked, very hard workers, responsible, and um, just took care of others, you know. And I love taking care of people, making them happy. That's just who I am. And so I was really shocked when I got into this relationship and saw that being used against
0: me. So uh, what everyone should know is this relationship that we're talking about is your third marriage or third relationship?
1: Third marriage and third
0: Third, relationship, yeah. Third marriage and third relationship. So you already, you know, went through this upbringing and then you get into relationship number one. So tell us briefly about what happened in relationship number one.
1: Um, I was very young. I was 18 and fell for somebody I met and he had just come home on leave from the military and um, he had just went through a divorce himself. I didn't realize that at the time, um, we dated very quickly. He asked me to marry him the first week I met him (laughs) and I just thought he was so charming and I kind of fell in love with his family more than him. And then, um, his family took, took me up to see him where he was stationed and I got married to him the next month and that marriage didn't last very long. I quickly realized we were just incompatible and he, um, very much, you know, a mama's boy and would still had a lot of, we both had a lot of growing up to do, but we just clashed. you know, he would call his mom a lot and tell her things about our marriage. And then she was like, you need to listen to your wife because she's more responsible and you're making a lot of responsible, a lot of decisions that are causing you some financial stress and you need to listen to her.
0: And then you get mad at me.
1: (laughs) Um, I just worked a lot and um, he'd get angry and throw fits, and then he'd go sit on his game and play video games the rest of the day and went and talk to me for a couple of days in a row. And I just felt very alone. And I was like, this just isn't a marriage. You know, this is, this is really sad. I was working all the time to pay the bills. And I think he had went through eight cars in the first year we were married. Just kept on flipping them and had to have the newest car, the newest one that came out on the lot. Had to drive the fanciest car, show it off to everybody. It was all about the show. You know, and I was Working at a bank on my feet all day long, I started having migraines and some health issues, and I'm just like, this this is just ridiculous. This isn't working. Um, I tried for three years. I left for a while and then came back, and then I realized, you can't go back. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it's like I went home for a while, tried to get things together, and um, was trying to work that relationship out with him, and his boss at his work was kind of flirting with me, being real flirty and was like, you know, you don't, why does he treat you so awful? He's such a jerk to you. And it's like, yeah, so um, like, it's okay, you know, um, we're going to work it out. We're going to go to marriage counseling. Well, we never did. I wound up packing up my stuff and going back home and the end of that relationship was really awful. It was, it tore me apart. I never been through anything like that. I lost a lot of weight and just got really sick and It was so stressful on me. And then his boss wound up calling me while I was home on leave, um, going through the divorce, and said, why don't you come spend some time with me and my family up here and just to help you get your mind off of it. So I went up there to be with his family during the holidays, and I was in an emotional mess. I couldn't even eat the whole time we were there. It was wonderful holiday food being cooked for us. His family was amazing. Again, it's like another wonderful family. And... (laughs) But then he started, you know, putting the moves on me. We got physically, you know, together. And then I fell for him. (laughs) And then I was like, which is a bad time. I wasn't done with the other relationship. Got involved with him. And, um, you know, I was raised, (laughs) I was raised in such a a strict family. It's like, you sleep with someone, you marry them. You know, that's kind of how I felt. And then I did. And I thought, well, I, I, you know, I can't believe I'm doing this. I just fell for this guy. And you know, I should marry him, and um, we lived together for a while, though, in Germany. He was stationed in Germany in the military, and we had a big blow-up one night. He was out drinking a lot with some friends, and he um, got mad at me because I got jealous he wanted to bring someone home, (laughs) and I was like, no, I'm not into that stuff. (laughs) Sorry, this isn't going to work, and we had a fight about it, and he wound up choking me he pushed me on the bed and had all his weight on me and choked me and I had bruises around my neck for a couple weeks I I had passed out and then he picked up picked me up and slammed my head against the wall and I kind of came to and I remember thinking (laughs) I'm repeating the same stuff my mom did the same pattern I'm with abusive men what's what's the problem you know what what am what am I doing wrong here is the second guy who's who gets angry and temperamental and just gets violent like this and um I went to the hospital because I couldn't talk for a couple days and have my throat checked and made up a story about it I didn't want him to get in trouble and I felt sorry for him and um I told him it was my fault I'm sorry you know and it's it's gonna be okay we can work through this and I didn't really have a good I didn't have a place to go I was in I felt like I was kind of stuck in Germany and I was young and I was like I don't know how to get back home and my mom was going through issues at that time, so I thought I just gotta make this work. I'm just gonna make this work, and we wound up getting married <laughs> and having a baby. And then a um, uh, year after she was born, I realized that it it was just too bad, and it was I needed to just get out of that mess because um, he was. I found out when I was pregnant that he was cheating on me. And there were women calling the house. it was the day before cell phones. So the women were calling the house. And he was working nights a lot. And I never knew what was going on until the women started calling the house and started telling me things. And I was like, okay, um, I need to get out of this because he's still obviously wanting to mess around. And he wasn't bonding with our baby. And I thought that was a little odd that he wasn't bonding with her. So I called his mom. And was trying to plead with her, you know, can you help me? I, You know, this just some stuff going on here in the marriage, and I don't get it. And then I find out that um, this is really bad, but he raped his half-sister when he was 14. He was 21 in the military. He'd come back home, and this happened, and the family didn't talk to him for a year after that. And I was like, all this stuff started coming out about his family, like, whoa. You know, they just seemed like the perfect loving family, but there were these secrets that I I didn't know about. So I got seriously concerned since he wasn't bonding with our little girl and then finding this. And then I I wound up going in his office and finding suitcases full of incestuous pornography, like serious tons of literature. I took a couple pictures of it. I was so sick. I went to the bathroom. (laughs) I had to throw up. I couldn't believe the stuff that I found in his office. He was always hiding in there and would just stay away from me when he would get mad. He'd go weeks where he wouldn't talk to me. Weeks. He would get upset if I asked him one question, you know, somebody called. He's like, you know, that's none of your business. You don't need to worry about it. And then he wouldn't talk to me for weeks. I felt like I was just alone. And um, so I, I was going to try to find a way to leave. And I thought I was scared of him and I didn't know how to leave. Um my mom said, why don't you just pack up your stuff and come home when he's out of town or something on a trip? So I packed up everything, packed up the baby while he was out of town. I went home, filed for divorce. And that was the second one, unfortunately. I was <laughs> like, I don't understand.
0: So this relationship ends. You have a child with this person, which we will, I guess, if we reference this child in in the future, that will be child from from marriage two or or from previous marriage. And with your upbringing, you are a people pleaser. You have a belief system that um, got you in a little bit of trouble already. Yeah. And... Now you're in the first relationship, 18 years old, immature guy, and you're already way too mature for that. Uh, Differences are are going on there. Second relationship, we're talking about someone who's physically abusive, who is uh, a serial cheater, who is, uh, you know, unrelated to you. He's a pedophile uh within the family and so now you're out of that relationship you're also alone as as well you're feeling lonely for a very long time so what do you say to yourself after what's already transpired like do you say to yourself like i need to take some time to myself uh how did i get here um are you wondering these kinds of things and as far as what you're looking for now in your next partner, are there specific things that you're like, I want them to be the opposite of this, the opposite of that. And like, did you want them to be a specific type of person? And, you know, did that, that type of thing show up on your doorstep?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did start some self analyzing, trying to figure myself out where this all came from and realized that my, I I hate to bring this up, but my mom had went through very similar situations, had me at 17 and had three other kids after that very early um, before 24. She's very young having us and had actually been married three times. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be like her. I'm not going to repeat the same patterns that my mom has. And somehow I wound up doing the exact same thing that I didn't want. It was almost like I manifested that. Now I'm learning about manifesting. That was my biggest fear. And that's exactly what I did to myself. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, I just, you know, I was attracted to that fun personality. Now I'm going, if if I'm ever going to get involved with somebody, they have to prove to me that you know they're Christian, you know, have good Christian foundation and upbringing, and um, that's the only type of person that I'll be able to trust in the future. But at that, but um, the whole court thing scared me so much. I went through the court hearing with him trying to get you know shared custody with my daughter and i brought up so,
0: so you're talking about court with your second husband here
1: yeah when i went to court to try to divorce him he my ex showed up with his military uniform on and the judge was like thank you so much for your service you know and and just seemed like he was in such admiration of him and i tried to tell him why i left the marriage and brought up some issues that i was concerned about for our daughter and the judge just ignored it he's like he made fun of me. He's like, I, I don't want to hear about your sex stories. You two, you just keep whatever you do in the bedroom to yourself. And my attorney tried to say, no, that's not what this is about. And he's like, ah, you know what? I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. And he's like, we're going to do 50-50. And since you left the state, you're going to be punished because you left the state. You were not supposed to do that. So you're going to have to make sure these visitations happen with your one-year-old, who at the time was breastfeeding. And had a large distance, you know, Colorado Springs to Oklahoma in the middle of winter. I had to make sure those visits happened. So I was very fearful of going through the whole court system again. And I thought if I ever get married again, I'm never going through a divorce (laughs) because it was just, it was hell. It was so stressful. And I, you know, you think when you go to the court system, you're going to get justice. And we think it's like what you see on TV. It's nothing like that. (laughs) It's like they cut the baby down the middle, just 50, 50. They don't care. And it felt like they didn't really care what's in the best interest of the child, you know? But um, yeah, I was, I started to get my life back together. I got a good job at a bank. So um, I was at work, I started working at a bank and I was taking my daughter to daycare and I felt like I was kind of getting my life together on my own and, Um, just, um, figuring out the whole custody arrangement and I was still having some struggles with, um, that divorce and the custody thing. He was using it kind of as a way to harass me and would call me all the time and, you know, demand, put the daughter on the phone, even though she was a year old and couldn't talk, but it was just a lot of, um, he was very angry at me for, for leaving and said that I'm not going to get away from him he'll be on my doorstep the rest of my life and I was trying but I wanted to just move on and find some peace but I was still dealing with him he never really went away for a while but then um one of my co-workers introduced me to a online Christian dating site and she said hey you know you can talk to somebody here it's safe they're not in the area you might meet somebody nice so I started going to my mom's house because at the time I didn't have a computer at my house and or a lot of that other technology, and I would go to my mom's house, and I would chat for a little while with people, and I met, this is how I met number three, I met him on one of those Christian dating sites, and he seemed to reflect a lot of the things that I was saying, like I would tell him how I was brought up in a very strong Christian family, and we would all sing at church, and we were kind of involved in the ministry growing up, and And he made it sound like his family was very similar, that they did kind of the same things. And he sang in church and played the trumpet. And I thought, wow, it was like, there was just so many things that we had in in common. And he made it sound like like that was the most important thing to him was to, you know, to be that way and to be moral. And I just, I was attracted to that and thought, okay, I don't think this is the type of guy that would cheat on me or do anything like that. Well, we talked for... Several months, I think it was about maybe eight months or so before we met in person. And he said he would, he lived in Pennsylvania. So he drove to Oklahoma to see me. And I will never forget the first time I saw him and I opened the door and he was standing there. I took a step back because I felt like there was something off. And I thought, this is not the man that I've been talking to online. Like my gut, it hurt. I got a severe stomach pain all of a sudden and I had, I took a deep breath and I got dizzy and I stepped back and he's like, Oh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, uh, I'm okay. You know, come on in. i I think I'm just a little nervous, you know? And he came in.
0: So what do you think it was that hit you that hard? Uh, you know, was it just his presence in general had a dark kind of surrounding about him?
1: I think so. Now that I've learned what I have about energy and how we're all connected energetically, and we put out energies, and we all vibrate at frequencies, everything does. I know that sounds a little wooey, but it's um, scientific things that I've learned. That that I inter- my gut interacted with it like immediately, and I should have listened to that. You know, they say listen to your gut; it's like your second brain. <laughs> I knew right away there was something off, and I didn't. I didn't listen to it. I ignored it, and I thought am It's probably just nervous jitters. And I'll just talk with them and see where things go. So we sit down and just started talking and sharing things. And I started warming up to him, but I'll never forget that right from the bat, I had a terrible feeling and the first time. Yeah.
0: Oh no, Well, you know, at this point with the shared morals, shared values, uh, him having a Christian foundation, you taking your time, yeah. unlike before, You took a lot of time. Yeah. And then, you know, a commitment of coming down from the town or the state they were in down to you, you know, shows you that, like, hey, this person must like me. They're they're going to this trouble to come all the way. They're doing all of the saying and doing all of the right things. So when you do have this gut feeling you don't, you, you let it pass because all these other things are, are, are the boxes, you know, maybe my gut is wrong, you know, you know, so, and so now he's inside the home and you're talking to him and what goes on there.
1: And in the, and the conversations that we had had that connected me to him, he had asked me so many details of my life. He wanted to know every single thing from my childhood, and I thought, wow, this guy really wants to know me. He wants to know everything about me. I've never been with somebody who just wants to know every little detail. You know, the littlest things. He's like, no, tell me about it. Tell me about it. even things that I was ashamed of and didn't want to open up about. You know, from my childhood, things that had happened. And then he would share similar things with me. And I thought, wow, I, you know, I've never had this. Um, one of the first red flags I I looked found later was. He didn't have any kind of respect for my time. Like, he knew that I needed to get up early at 5:30 to get my daughter ready, you know, to go to daycare and me to go to work. And he would keep me on the phone all night talking to him. The phone calls would be forever, and I'm like, I need to get up early. I need to get some sleep. And he'd be like, Okay, just one more question, one more question. I just don't want to get off the phone with you. I love talking with you. And later, I looked back and thought, Gosh, didn't even, you know, I, he didn't. You know, he didn't even really have any concern for my well-being. I told him, you know, I had to go to work and I was so tired and. He would call every time I would get home from work. He would call immediately and like, where did you go? And what took you so long getting home? And it started becoming like that. And I thought it because he just loved me. Was loved my the time with me. But it was early little signs of him, you know, being wanting to be there every second, wanting that control of everywhere I was, and every minute of the day was consumed with him and was always about him and at the time I thought maybe he just needs the extra attention and the stories that he told me of his upbringing it sounded like nobody appreciated him or saw how wonderful and amazing he was and you know he was 30 years old living at home with his mother he said he had a master's degree in teaching but he had no job and it's because he explained that his his principal or his um his boss didn't see him for who he was or didn't see his abilities. So he quit the job, you know, and that's all the stories of that he had was about his talents and his skills that nobody recognized his abilities. And I thought, gosh, you know, if he just has somebody who loved him enough or saw these things or who encouraged him and supported him enough, he's going to shine that he just needs somebody to come in and just love him. And he's going to be amazing. I can just see it, you know? So I was always like trying to encourage him and give him more confidence and and I, I just overlooked the whole thing that like he was at home, you know, no job <laughs> with his parents. And, um, so yeah, I was trying to get, when he came to my house, I tried to warm up to him and then it quickly evolved into, you know, a physical relationship. And here I was again doing the same thing and thought I didn't want to do this, but he said he was such a Christian, you know, but this all started very quick. And then he proposed to me like just a couple weeks after being there and just said, no, nah, I I really, you know, this is something amazing and I want to be a part of your life. Um, then I started seeing a
0: different- Sorry, I, I just have one question. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for people who might be listening, who'd be like, okay, you, got, you get married really quick. Mm-hmm. Within, you make that look on your face, but within your community... Yeah. and the friends that you have, and your your parents, and whoever, are are people getting married fairly fairly quickly.
1: I think that was my my reality. The way I was brought up was that you know you can do this, you need to get married. You know, I was, I was brought up in a hellfire damnation church. My uncle was a pastor. Um, my grandpa was a pastor and I thought, oh, you know, I'm committing a sin because I've slept with him. I need to fix this. I need to get married.
0: (laughs) You know, so So that, so that belief is really, you know, really carrying you a lot, like at least, at least to get into the marriage. And then once the marriage begins, you know, then it becomes, you know, I said, you know, I'd marry them. So I have to figure this out.
1: Yeah. And he believed that way too. So Unlike the one previous who was atheist, um, he believed that he was like, you know, we've had, we've been together, we should get married, and we need to make this right, you know, if we want God's blessing, and do things the right way. And I said, Yeah, you know, I think you're, I think you're right, you know, we should probably, you know, do that. And I don't know how to work that out. You know, you're in Pennsylvania, and I'm here. (laughs) Well, Um, I was still getting these phone calls from my ex that some harassing phone calls and from number two. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the first time that I saw a different side of him was when those phone calls started happening when he was around. So he would hear me on the phone getting badgered by my ex. And he was like, no, no one's going to talk to you like that. You know, you're my girl. And he would get furious and just steaming like, I'm like, wow, I've never seen anybody that mad. He would get mad and start throwing things and screaming and like, you're my woman. Nobody's going to talk to my woman like that, you know? And he'd say, you need to stop taking phone calls from him. And I said, but I have to follow the court order. And he said, but you don't have to be harassed. This isn't right. He doesn't have the right to do this. And he started taking control of that situation. I would have to send him emails, you know, to my... X and he started taking over the whole conversation he's like no you're not writing email to him i'm gonna write the email to him and he's and i was like okay he's just stepping in because he's trying to take care of me maybe he just wants to help take some of the stress from me and i just overlooked that as him being like the hero you know wanting to save the day and and in reality it was he wanted complete control of all of that and then He wanted me even to get rid of everything when we got together, you know, even like all my items in my home. I had a big house I was renting. You can do that in Oklahoma. You can afford a big house and rent in Oklahoma and like (laughs) California, but we had, I had a big house and it was full of furniture. And he said, you're getting rid of all this stuff because you had this stuff, some of this stuff before you met me. And when you were in your other marriage, you're getting rid of this. Your life didn't start until you met me. I'll never forget that your life didn't start until you met me. I'm like, wow, what do you mean by that? Like, And it just stuck in my head. Some of the things he would, would say like that, like, like, who do you think you are? You know, but I didn't question it. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get rid of my things. You know, if it really bothers you, I'll do that. So I got rid of all my things. And then um, he got a job in California And said, why don't we get married and move out to California? Well, in the meantime, he had met my mom. He had met my best friend at work. And both of them were really concerned. Because both of them picked up the energy that I did when they first met him. And were like, something's off about this guy. I don't trust him. I don't know what's going on here. But I had already fallen for him. I was like, I was just like, you guys don't know him. You don't know the man I've talked to for eight months on the phone and his heart, and he's just not given a chance. He's just not given an opportunity, and I would defend everything, and wound up hurting my relationship with my mom, because I didn't listen to my mom. I wish I would have so bad, (laughs) but I wound up coming out to California with him, because he got a good job out here, and we said, let's just start over here. So, there's another thing. Take you away from your family. Take you away from your foundation. I'm out here, you know, on our own, with nobody I can go to if something goes wrong, and then the real like the whole mask really starts coming off when we move out
0: here. So now with everything that's happened you are you know you've you've bought into everything that's going on. He's now also showing you as as a protector but yeah. using the protection as a way to gain more control over your life. Yeah. Moving now to California is in his benefit because now you are isolated from uh, everyone that, you know, you have nowhere to actually go. So uh, how old are you right here at this point?
1: Um, am I, t- um, 30, around 30. Okay. So
0: you're 30. 30. So, so you're there, you're, you're 30 years old and you bring your child with you as well.
1: Yeah. She was, um, with her dad, it was over the summer when we moved. So she was having summer visit with her dad and he was stationed in Florida at the time. So we moved out here for his job and I forgot to tell you something really important. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, When I was in Oklahoma, his mom called me one day and she called me hiding in her garage and was whispering on the phone. And she said, hi, you know, I'm his mom and I just wanted to introduce myself. I realized that you're dating my son online And I just thought, you know, I overheard that you had a little girl. And I said, yes. And she said, I just thought that you might want to know that he, and I was like, can you speak up? I can't really hear you. And she said, I'm sorry. I'm in my garage and I'm speaking quietly. I don't want him to hear me. And I said, why? And she said, "Um, he has some anger problems and there are holes in my walls at the house because he punches holes in the wall when he gets angry. And she said, and I'm scared of him. I said, you're scared of your son? And she said, yes, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, that if he knew I was talking with you, he would hurt me. And I said, are you serious? And she said, yes. And I, she said, I think you should know that he has some really bad, violent anger, you know, anger issues. And at that time, I heard the phone clicking and he had picked up the phone upstairs and said, mom, mom, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she said, oh, I, I'm I'm just talking to your girlfriend. I just wanted to introduce myself and say hi. And he said, mom, you you need to get off the phone. He's like, mom, get off the phone right now. Hang up. And she said, okay, okay. Well, it's nice meeting you. And she hung up. Well, then he I, he said, what did she tell you? And I told him. And I was about to hang up because I thought, this is scary. I don't want anything to do with this. And then he said, oh, he goes, please, please, please don't listen to that. She's just, you know, she's getting older. You know, she didn't have kids until she was 40 and three boys and she's the, and I'm the last one at home and she's afraid that I'm going to leave. She doesn't want me to leave the house because I'm the last one that's taking care of her and she's elderly. And he said, she's just doing this because she's afraid I'm going to move out and to leave and she's going to be on her own. And I was like, okay, that kind of made some sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so maybe she's just saying this because she kind of wants to get me out of his life. And Um, you know, they were, they're very strong in their, um, they're very, he made it sound like they were very tight knit family, like all Italian, they would talk about how they're pure blood Italian and they're, they were almost, um, discriminative of others. He said, she's also mad because you are not Italian. And he said, my younger brother married a Mexican girl. And my other one married a girl who's kind of like you, white and mixed. And he said, she calls her white trash behind her back. And he said, so she's not happy about that when she found out you're not Italian. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, it started making some sense. Like, okay, so your mom's just discriminative. And he's like, yeah, you know. And I thought, gosh, their family's very, like, they think they're better than everybody. You know, I started seeing that. That's how all of them are. They really are him and his brothers. They all think they're better than everyone else. But um anyways back to California. <laughs> we we got out to California and try and then my attorney got wind that I was in California and she said you're going to lose custody of your daughter if you don't get married cuz this doesn't look good. You moved out here with your boyfriend and your daughter's in Florida with her dad and now he wants to take custody of your daughter from you and he's enrolled her in school in Florida. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> How can he do that? She said, Well, you need to get married because this doesn't look good. It looks unstable because you moved with your boyfriend. And so I felt like, Whoa, okay, we need to get this marriage done. And I talked to Kim and I said, Um, I don't want to lose my daughter, I don't want to lose custody of her. I'm really worried about her. I'm I'm worried every minute that she's with him, you know, and I need to do my best to, to try to be there for her. And I said, Can we, you know, ahead and get this done and then he started acting all flaky about it I was like wait a minute you said you want to get married we moved all the way out to California and now there's a chance I might lose custody of my daughter and you're acting like you're not even for sure if you want to get married (laughs) and it was like this flaky back and forth one day he did and one day he's like I'm not for sure and I'm like oh my goodness this is really stressing me out I just moved all the way here and then I found out I was pregnant and I was like okay, this, we got to make some serious decisions here. And he goes, oh, he goes, well, we have to get married. He goes, I got you pregnant. We have to get married. And I was like, that doesn't mean we have to get married. I don't want to like, do it just because of that. And he said, no, we have to, in the eyes of God, we need to. So um, we got married um, very quickly with a pastor that we met. We went to a church and had asked a pastor to help us get married. And got married very quickly after we moved out here. Um, um, I wound up having my daughter here for that. So she was here the day we got married. She was at the wedding. She was like three and a half. And we were driving from, from the church. We got in the car and I said, I made an appointment for us to get some pictures. We don't have to buy them, but we could go do a setting, you know, like a Sears or something where you could get pictures taken. Mm -hmm. And he got really upset at me. And he said, why would you do that? We don't have enough money to do that. And I said, we don't have to pay for it. It's just, we're going to do the setting. We can get the pictures later. And he started screaming so bad. And my daughter was in the back car crying. I started crying. I'm thinking we just got married like 15 minutes ago. And you're screaming at me about this appointment. And then he said, I'm so, he got so mad. He said, I'm going to run the car off the road and I'm going to kill all of us. I'm like, what? You're going to kill us? I'm like, I was like, please pull the car. We started driving real recklessly, going all over the road real fast. I'm thinking, what the heck did I just do? What did I just do? <laughs> just married this man. And he's talking about killing us. Um, He finally... Calm down I said please please stop you're scaring us you know she's crying and it's not going to cost anything we don't have to do it and then he finally calmed down and said no we're going to do it we're going to do it and we went and did these pictures these pictures stayed in my house 11 and a half years every time I looked at them they made me sick inside because so I'm thinking I remember that day very well I had to wipe all the tears off of my face and try to put on a fake smile for our wedding pictures and Those pictures were awful. Like, I could never feel good about that. And I knew from day one, I had just done something, just made a huge mistake, and I didn't know how to get out of it.
0: So what was going through you at that point that, you know, I just got married, this is my third marriage, Uh, I, you know, just, you know, uh, shame, you know, I can't go back, Uh, I didn't tell anyone because then everyone will judge me.
1: Yep, and I was so afraid to, that my mom, you know, my, my mom was right. Everybody was right. And small town, everybody would know. I was like, I cannot go back to that town and hold my head in shame. Everybody's going to know, oh, wow, number three. You know, she must be crazy. And I was like, I can't. I'm just going to have to stick this out. I got to find a way to make this work and make it look like it's working. And just had to pull myself together. And I did everything in my Everything in my strength to just make him happy. I thought, I'm going to make him happy. This is going to be a good marriage. I'm going to fix this. We're going to go to church together. And it's just going to be beautiful. And there were times where it did look good. And there was like the love bombing where he'd be so nice to me. And then it would just, it'd be like three or four days of that. And then he would flip. And it was back to, um, he would start using things against me from my childhood that I shared with him. And I was like, what? Everything I'd ever told him about myself or my past all of a sudden was brought up in any argument. I'm like, that doesn't even have anything to do with what we're talking about. But he'd bring it up to try to make me feel bad or shame or guilt about something else. And I'm like, the arguments were ridiculous. And then sometimes he'd get angry and just start repeating himself over and over like a child. And I'm like, can we just have a normal adult conversation and not raise our voices and no yelling and can we just have you know sentences and and he would just start repeating himself say the same thing over and over and over and I'm like this is like talking to a five-year-old I don't get it I can't I can't reason with him I can't if I say something that he doesn't like it was always twisted and turned around and used against me and like he is so educated why is he like this when he's at home he doesn't act like this around other people it was just to us. It was that's how he was in the home with me and the kids around. It was always calling me names, telling me how ignorant I am, because I didn't have an education like he did. And the it was just like a Jekyll and Hyde personality with him. He was I mean, we would go to church and people thought he was just amazing. He would just sing in church and we started getting close to some of the leaders in the church and I just loved that part. But when we went home it was a different person. And I said, why can't you treat us like you do strangers? Why why can't you talk to me like you do other people? And um, it it just started getting scary, and he would start to make me think I was crazy sometimes and say that I wasn't remembering things. So I started recording conversations, and then he found out about that, and that was like a whole new ball. <laughs> that, that was really bad when he found out I was recording him because I said – well, I needed to record you because you keep saying things that I didn't say or having conversations and saying that I don't remember them correctly. And I said, this is the only way to help us, I think, is just to record things. And he's like, no. You know, he took my phone away from me, and I tried to get it back, and I wound up hurting his finger when I was trying to get out of his hand. And then he um, he um used that against me later. He's like, because I hurt his finger trying to get my phone back. Um. He actually used that in court when I went to court and <laughs> tried to say that I was abusing him. I'm like, oh, he's funny. <laughs> but- so
0: within this time, you're getting uh, gaslit in a major way. Is he saying things to you that you start believing about yourself? How's your self-esteem uh, during this period and are you able like are you researching anything cuz obviously you know something is up because you are recording at this point that you you really know that you know i have to do this so what other kind of things are you doing to try and figure out what is actually happening
1: yeah and in, in the beginning i was buying a lot of it and my self-esteem was so low that I was believing some of the stuff that he was saying to me and it would hurt. I would cry. I would lock myself in the bathroom with my son. Sometimes he would kick the door and just start calling me a baby. Um, The police had actually come to our house a couple of times because of the noise um, neighbors had called and he would tell them, Oh, just a baby crying. They'll go away. And I just started thinking, gosh, maybe I'm just overreacting. Cause he said, oh, if you think this is abuse, then what you told me before in your past relationship, you weren't abused. That wasn't true, you know? And I thought, gosh, is he right? You know, I've, I've always heard, you know, verbal abuse is actually worse than physical abuse, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, he has this education and um, I did believe him for a while, but I started researching some things online and started, I actually started digging into religious things first and started thinking, is there something I'm doing wrong here? Is God punishing me? or something? Is there something I'm not doing right? So I started going to church more and joining Bible clubs online and started reading more scripture. And then he would get so mad at me about that because I would use scripture to try to bring peace to our home, but that would cause more arguments. And he would just say, who do you think you are? You know, you don't know this. You're not, you're not a, a, educated. You're not a preacher. And you know, you just need to shut your mouth and stay in line, woman. You're just you know, like God tells you. And I said, well, the Bible actually says your prayers are hindered if you're treating your wife badly. And then, it, it, you know, I start arguing back with him. At the last few years, I started doing that. I started getting a little bolder and speaking up because I realized when it was like a bully. It, when he would get me down and I would cry, it was like he won. But when I started standing up, he was getting shocked. I'm like, whoa, what is she doing? I started educating myself about personality disorders, too my mom went to school and became a psychologist in the meantime. And she started telling me some things about um, what she was learning. And she said, I think that you're dealing with somebody who's narcissistic. I was like, what? Then I started researching that. And I got a friend of mine sent me the book, one mom's battle um, by Tina Swithin. Mm-hmm. I read that book and I thought she's been inside my home. She knows my husband. She knows every detail of what's going on here. Like, I was just shocked that there was someone else out there that was going through the same kind of things, and and happy at the same time because I felt like I wasn't alone. Like
0: wow! (laughs) And for those that don't know, Tina, Tina has been a guest on our Q and A episodes.
1: Yeah, she's amazing.
0: So, you know, I guess we're in the middle of your relationship, and you're identifying these things that are that are going on, and. At that point, are you saying to yourself, you know, how how are you, you know? People always say like, w- why did this person stay? And we we've had a lot of things of what's kind of got you to to this point. But at, at this point in the relationship, let's say we're halfway through. Um, what are what are the things that you're saying to yourself, or or maybe you're justifying certain things? What are the things that are you know uh, you have children with this person? uh, which gets you in even deeper than before. So how are you managing, you know, that aspect of everything? How, like, now you have two, now you have three kids, you know, how are you feeling about yourself, who you are as a person? Are you thinking, if I leave this person who's going to want me type thing? Are you thinking those things? What are the kind of things that are kind of will propel you to stay longer than before um, for people who are listening that don't understand why people stay?
1: He actually said those very words to me one day in an argument. He said, you are so lucky that I married you. You're so lucky that a man like me wanted you. You've already had two divorces and a child with someone else. You just don't know how fortunate you are and you just don't appreciate me enough. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, how have I not showed you that I appreciate you? I'm constantly lifting you up and supporting you. I, I work, you know, so you can go back and get get a second master's degree because um, nothing was ever good enough for him. And This was in his job, too. He would come home complaining about his jobs and how they didn't appreciate him enough. And he just needed a better job. And he hated his job. And I thought he was resenting us because of the job. So I tried my best to make the home life, the home environment so peaceful so he would come home and he could be happy. And I thought, I just need to help him get happier. And I remember coming to to a place where I realized he's not ever going to be happy. He, there's nothing I can do. I have tried everything. I've even asked him to go to marriage counseling. I I just need to work on myself. I need to work on myself and find my own happiness because this isn't working. And I started looking at, you know, the self-help books and reading things. And I loved Tina's book. I started feeling more empowered as a person myself and, and thought, you know what? There's got to be a way I can get out of this. Um, I need to forgive myself for this and I need to get past this feeling that everybody's gonna look at me with shame if I go through another divorce. And then that thought started coming back to my mind is maybe I can get out of this. Maybe I can forgive myself, you know, and I can get through this and get out of here because I started thinking this is I'm I feel like I'm condoning this, raising my kids in this. And I started thinking, what's gonna happen when they're older? And they're going to look back and say, mom stayed in this relationship. She was in this abusive relationship. And they might wind up in the same situation. So that started spurring me into that direction. Was, I need to do this for them. I need to find the strength inside to get out for them. And I waited until my daughter was in kindergarten. Because I thought, I can't get a job. If she's at home all the time, you know, I need to wait at least till she's in kindergarten. Because it's... You have financial problems. How do you get out whenever they have complete control? They had the bank accounts, the check accounts, and you're raising the kids. I was just a full-time mom. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to start over. He has two master's degrees. And that's a difficult thought to say, I'm going to take my babies and go somewhere. Yeah, with what? How? And and no family around, completely isolated. Any friends I tried to make, he would always turn them against me. I, I was not allowed to have friends. That's another thing that they do is they, they badmouth you behind your back without your knowledge. I found this out later after the divorce. Um, people were coming out of the woodwork telling me stories and I'm like, what, why did he do that? I don't understand it. He was contacting them or he'd tell me things about him that weren't true. And so they do keep you isolated and make you feel like you have no way of escape. And I believe that for a long time. Um, I did wind up making friends with a neighbor lady, an older lady, and she started seeing some symptoms of abuse and stuff. And she got concerned and had a private talk with me one day and said, if you need to get out of this, I just want you to know that I'll help you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, if you need some money to get an attorney or to get started over, I'll help you. And I started falling my eyes out. I was like, you are, you're a godsend. I just felt like a miracle just happened and, So that's the only way that I was able to get out to and to find an attorney because this angel came along, you know, to, to help me to do that. I don't know how I would have done it without that. Um, But I wound up getting a place and taking my kids and filing for divorce because his anger was getting worse. And I noticed that, um, yeah, I was getting more scared of him. I was starting to call the police whenever he would have temper tantrums and then it was making it worse.
0: So when you started to stand up more, it was that when it went like he was always, the rage was always there. But when you started to stand up more, his words were not doing the trick anymore. So did his anger or his intimidation tactics increase to to instill more fear, like he had to change and, and do that to try and control you even more?
1: Yeah, he he would go in what I would call a rage. He would scream so loud and so violently that he would lose his voice. So, okay, he was an administrator at a school and he was also, so that gave him, you know, authority there. He was, people looked at him with a lot of admiration for that job, but he was also uh, in a band and he was sing for a band. Well, he started losing his voice and he couldn't figure out why. And I thought, I know exactly why it's because when he's at home, he's raging so loud until he would lose his voice and not be able to speak for like the next day. And I felt sorry for him because I was like, why does he do this to himself? Um, and then there was a time where I kind of laughed and I thought, well, I guess that's what he gets, you know, for raging at us. He's losing his voice. And then I feel bad because I would (laughs) think it's kind of funny, but, um, but he started attacking my kids, and then that's whenever I said – I remember I went home to see my mom, and I said – I told my mom, I'm getting out because he hurt my son. Um, we went on a vacation, we were all together in this room, and he got mad because we were all stuck in the room, and, we're, and it was raining. And we couldn't go anywhere, and we didn't go on vacations very often, very rare. And he got mad at my son because he wasn't helping his little sister with her game and he's he got so angry that he he hit his fist on the table and he said I'm going to kill that kid. And he jumped up and got a hold of my son and by the back of the neck and threw him to the ground. Um it's still hard to talk about cuz everybody in that room just got like this look of shock on their face and all three of the kids were crying. It when the whole trip. They cried for like 45 minutes. Um And my oldest daughter said, Dad, you always run every vacation. We don't don't get to go on very many trips, but you run every time with your anger. And I'm thinking that I just didn't want to live like this anymore. He's hurting my son. And I thought somebody was going to call the police because it was so loud with him yelling in there. And I thought, we're going to get reported. We're going to get kicked out of the hotel. I just tried to calm everybody down and said, you know, Um, I actually turned my phone on to record some of that. I was getting in the habit of hitting the record button and I didn't tell him. So I did get a lot of that conversation recorded that happened there in the hotel room. And I just tried to calm everybody down and and get it more peaceful. Um, But I realized then that this, this isn't just me. He's going after now. He's going after the kids and I need to step in and get them out of here and at that time, I hadn't had the money offered. I didn't know yet how I was going to get it out. I was just planning it <laughs> in the back of my head, trying to put pieces together. Um, but it was a couple months before that. There was something else that happened really big. Um, he got angry because I, a friend or somebody, came by to sell solar to us, and they said it's not going to cost you any money. Solar
0: panels. Solar panels.
1: Uh-huh. Solar okay. panels. Okay. And he said, we could put solar panels on your home. Won't cost you anything. We're going to actually pay you like $2,000 to put it on your home. It's like an incentive we're doing in California to get, you know, to save energy. And you're just going to be kind of leasing it from us. It's going to make your utility bill be cut in half or or like you'll be paying like 40%. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, it's going to save us money. I was always trying to find ways to save money. And I thought my husband's going to be so happy that I did this, you know, and I talked to him about it and I talked to him about three times and I I kept saying, you know, should I do it? Should we do it? And he said, okay, whatever, as long as it doesn't cost us any money, just go ahead and sign up and do it. And I was like, okay, okay. It's not going to cost us anything. It's going to save us money and they're going to pay us. And I was like, okay. So I signed the papers for this guy and his company to come do the solar panels. Um, They said, okay, well, we'll come out next week and put them, on and I said okay I don't want my husband to be here when you're doing this because I don't want him being you know interrupted let's do it while he's at work I wanted this to be peaceful him to come home and like yeah it's done you know I didn't want to interfere with his day or doing on a weekend so they said okay we'll come by you know um at eight o'clock we'll put it on well that morning these guys showed up at seven o'clock instead of eight so I hadn't got out of bed yet (laughs) and he was he was getting ready to leave for work he was already mad and slamming doors and slamming the closet, mirror doors. I was always afraid he's going to break them. He was always, he's mad in the (laughs) morning. He hated getting up for work. So I was like, great. He's already mad and in a mood. And I heard the doorbell ring. These guys were there. And so he went to answer the door and he's like, comes back to the bedroom. He's like, what the hell have you done? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I tried to act surprised. Like, what? And he said, there's some guys here that are going to put solar on the house and they want me to move my car. And I said, they weren't supposed to be here till 8. And he said they said that, that they came early because of the, they didn't want to get started early because of the heat. And I was like, oh, no. I said, I'm sorry. They weren't supposed to come until you were at work. And he's like, you didn't tell me about this. I said, yes, I did. And he goes, no, you didn't. I said, well, I didn't tell you they were coming today, but we talked about them coming. And he said, you lying effing B. And I said, what are you talking about? You? What do you mean? I, I'm confused. And he goes, you didn't tell me they were going to do solar. I said, we talked about this three times. You said, go ahead and do it if it didn't cost us any money. And he goes, this is going to cost us a lot of money. And he started yelling. And then he kept repeating that. You lying effing b" over and over and over. I couldn't get him to say anything else. And I couldn't explain to him what was going on because he started screaming it so loud. And I was like, can you please stop saying that? I'm like, I'm trying to tell you what's going on here. There, he- I went to the door and I... um. I talked to the gentleman outside and I said, can you wait and come back? Cause he hasn't left for work yet. And I was shaking because he was already scaring me with the way he was talking. And the guy's like, no, we have a contract. We're supposed to come now. And he said, we'll wait for him to move his car. And I said, he's really upset at me. Can you guys just, please, can we just do this another time? And they were like, we're going to have to call our boss. I said, okay. I went back to the bedroom and he just started in again. And I said, I told you this isn't going to cost us any money, and he's like, "No, you didn't. You're lying." fb kept saying it over and over again. He had me pinned against the door in our bedroom; had my shoulders pinned against the door, screaming in my face, and there was spit flying in my face. I couldn't get away, and I I put my arms like up in between his arms and pushed him with his on his chin, try to push him away, and I said, "Please stop screaming. You're going to wake up the kids. Stop screaming." And I pushed him away. I I could hear my daughter down the hall. It was a big house. I could hear her crying. I ran down the hallway to go help her because she was crying. And I was shaking. And he came to the door. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, she's crying. You're scaring her. Please stop screaming. And he goes, oh, she's crying. You know, please stop I'll stop crying. You know, and just started mocking me. Everything I said. And I said, you're really scaring me. I said, I'm going to pack her bags. I want to get out of here and then he was mocking me with that and i said what is going on with you i said you i said, i'm going to call the police and i started towards the door and he wouldn't let me out of the door he blocked it and was standing and i said no you're not you're not calling anybody and i said yes you're scaring me and, and and my daughter was just really crying and i said look at her i said please stop you're scaring both of us and he said you're not calling anybody he goes you've done it and i said what do you mean? He goes, oh, you've done it. You just don't know what you've done, do you? You're so stupid. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you touched me. You touched me on the face. And I said, so? He goes, He goes. so you can't call the police and say that I abused you. And I said, what do you mean? I said, get get out of the way. And he goes, you touched me. And he goes, Nah, no, that's where you went wrong. You you touched me. And, I, and he said, I'm going to call the police on you. And I said, that doesn't make sense. I said, that doesn't make sense. And I said, get out of the way, please let me out of the room. I finally pushed past him, went and found my phone. I called the police or 911. I was in the back of my room with my daughter crying, trying to get myself together. They said, don't get off the phone. And I'm in my pajamas, (laughs) like standing here in my pajamas, calling 911, trying to explain what happened. And they were like, tell us everything. And I'm like, I pushed him out of my face. I pushed him out of my face. Am I in trouble? Because I pushed him out of my face. All I could think of was what he just said to me. And they were like, just wait, you know, there's somebody, some police on the way. I didn't realize that the guys outside had heard him screaming. And they had held up their cell phone and called 911 already and called their boss and told him. And he could hear the screaming through the cell phone. He later wrote a testimony about that, that he could hear him screaming at me up in the back of the house with a huge theater door closed. They could hear him screaming. So anyways, the police showed up at my house and I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, the police are here. I'm in my pajamas and I'm shaking. I'm trying to tell them what happened. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want him to get in trouble. He's got to go to work today. If he loses a job, this is going to be so bad for us. It's going to be financially devastating, you know? And I'm like, I got to protect him. And I said, you know, everything's okay. Um, he was mad. He was yelling at me, but everything's okay now. And then they went outside and talked to him, and I saw him, like, rubbing his face through the window, and I was like, what is he doing? Like, why does he keep rubbing his face? Um, The police came in with handcuffs and said that um, they were going to take me in, and I was like, what? And they said, oh, he he, he said that you slapped him. I said, I didn't slap him. I, I pushed him off of me. And they're like, well, in the state of California, if we show up to a domestic violence call, if somebody admits to touching the other person, then you get arrested. And I was like, that's what he was talking about. I guess he knew this law and I didn't. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, I pushed him off me. I didn't really, like, I didn't slap him. I couldn't slap him. He's right in my face holding me down. And they're like. He's like, we're going to have to take you. And I'm like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to start crying. I'm not going to start crying. I'm too emotional right now. If I start crying, I'm going to be a blubbering idiot. So, um, My kids came down the hallway and got to see me get arrested and carried out and put, or walked out to be put into a police car. Never in my life have I ever experienced anything like that. I'm, you know, I followed the law. I don't even have driving tickets, nothing. <laughs> I was like, I, I can not believe that a mom of three was just getting taken out and and went to a police station and was held in a holding cell for eight hours. My son had a birthday party that day I was supposed to take him to. I kept calling from <laughs> the police station saying, can you make sure that our son gets to the birthday party? He's going to miss it. And I don't want this day to be ruined for him. <laughs> and he's, I said, can you, is there any way you can come get me out of here? He's like, He's like, um, it's Friday. They said if I don't get you out of there by the close of the business day that you're going to have to stay the whole weekend. And he said, maybe you should just do that so you can learn a lesson for talking back to me. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I've been here all day. And I'm like, I just want to come home. I'm sorry for the argument. Can you please just come get me out of here? He waited till like the last minute and came and bailed me out. The most humiliating thing I've ever been through in my life. I was fearful of policemen after that. Every time I saw him on the road, I would start shaking. I didn't know, but I had developed PTSD from that incident. It was really scary.
0: (laughs) So after that happens, you go home. Do you try to make things as normal as possible and stay quiet? Or do you start working on immediately, uh, you know, you're you're back at home, you're quiet and you're in the background. You start to figure out like, what do I do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to, to just be real careful here because obviously things don't work the way I thought they did. You know, I thought that the police would protect me if I called them and I had to, I had to figure things out and piece it together. I called my mom. I told her, mom, you need to know what's really going on here. And she's like, you know, I've suspected this for a while. And um, if you need to come home, we're here for you. And I just thought, okay, i got it. i got it chill. I got to get things together. We were supposed to go home to see my mom that summer. So I tried to pretend that everything was okay. We're going to go see my mom. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, this is probably the last time I'm going to have a family visit with my mom before I file for divorce. And I thought, and I don't know how my finances are going to look after that. I don't know if I'm going to get to see them again. So I tried to make it a really good visit for the kids. And my mom tried to pretend everything was okay. In the back of my mind, I'm trying to piece together, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get out? And, um, a couple of months later is the incident with my son in the hotel room. And I went and got an attorney the next month. I hired an attorney the next month after that incident in the hotel room. And so I was like, that's it. Um, I've waited, I've tried to, you know, to figure this out, but there's no more figuring this out. And at that time, you know, my neighbor had come forward with the money and I had an attorney hired then and started going forth secretly, you know, talking to this attorney and trying to move forward.
0: So you, you got the attorney, what were the other things in your mind that you thought you needed to have like in line? Were you worried about work Were you know, obviously you were worried about money, how you're going to take care of everything. So during that time, were you doing anything else to prepare yourself and where did you go? Like, where did you guys live?
1: Yeah, I got, uh. I connected with a friend of mine and she said, you can start working with this foreign exchange program from home and help find, you know, get students, find placement for them that want to come visit families in our country. And yeah, I started doing that on the side because I thought, okay, this is good. I don't have to be there nine to five.
0: But did your, so when you went through the process, did your ex have to leave the home?
1: Um, No, I, when I, I went up hiring this attorney and trying to plan things out and finally served him the fourth month. And when he was served, I left it, I wrote him a letter. I left it in the the desk door at the house so he would get it when he came home from work. I took my kids to a hotel room because I thought, I don't want to be there when this happens, when he gets served. So, um, that night I had all the kids in a hotel room with me and he called me and he said, what's going on? I just got served. And he said, I had a very interesting night and he's like, let's talk about this. And I said, um, I didn't want to be there and I didn't want the kids to be there when you got served. And he said, well, I think you need to come home. And I said, I just want to give it a couple days and then we'll come back. So I waited like that weekend in the hotel room and I wound up taking the kids back to the house reluctantly, you know concerned about how he was going to react. He, he was acting really strange. Like I could tell he was planning something. He was up to something. I was a a little scared. He, he made a comment about how he needed to go get the sledgehammer out of the garage, because he needed to bust some things up because he had a lot of anger. And I said, okay. Um, if you need to go do that, you know, maybe you should go do that, you know, in the garage. And, um, I tried to stay away from him when I was at the house. And I said, I just want you to know that I'm trying to find a place for us to move. In the letter, I said, either you can move. It'd be easier if you would move out because me and the kids could stay there. I could get them to school and everything. They could stay in their same environment. It wouldn't be such an upheaval for them. Or I'll find a place to move. So he said, when I came there, he said, I'm not going to leave. You can leave. And he said, you can leave and, and um He said, but you're not going to get anything. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you can leave, but you're not going to get the kids. You're not going to get the house. You're not going to get anything. And I said, that's not, that's not fair. I said, that's not how it works. And he said, he goes, well, we'll see. We'll see. So, so far, that's exactly what he has done. He's been true to his word. He, four years after the divorce, and he still hasn't sold the house, divided up the property, And he's still trying, he's trying to take custody of our oldest child. Um, My oldest child was scared for quite a while. And when we left, um, he didn't want to go see his dad for a while. Didn't want to talk on the phone with him. And I'd say, you need to just talk on the phone with him. He's your dad. And you're going to have to just, you know, forgive him. You know, he was angry. And I said, just, just at least take the phone calls. Um, we went to the court mediator and it was very clear in mediation that, you know, I had a really good relationship with my son and that he was scared of his dad, of his temper. And I thought, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in court. I don't trust the court system because of what I've been through before, but we'll see. And I thought this is good at least that, you know, we talked to the mediator. Um, they, they let us read the report before we went to court, um, They said you can look at it real quick and you got to turn it back in. You're not allowed to have copies of it. Well, later on, I found a copy of his mediator report. The mediator report was given to each of us, and it was highlighted at the top whose it was. Well, my ex had taken pictures of that mediator's report. I found it on my son's cell phone. He sent it to him and was talking to him about it and told him that he should be ashamed of himself for talking about his dad like that. And that he shouldn't talk about family issues, you know. And and after I filed for divorce, it's all he did every time he saw the kids, he talked to him about custody. He said, I'm gonna get custody of you, you're gonna come stay with me. And my son would come home like with a chip on his shoulder and say, Dad's gonna get me, dad's gonna get me. He's he bought me a motorcycle and he bought me a computer, a computer gaming system, and he bought me this and bought me that. And dad's gonna take custody of me and and I'm like, why are you talking about this with your dad? I said it's it's fifty fifty. Nobody's taking you from anybody. I said, what's the matter with the way it is? And he said, well, Dad said you're crazy, and he said that um, your job is you're just a scammer, and all these things. It was like I couldn't believe all the stuff that was coming out of the mouth. He was still bad mouthing me in front of the kids after the divorce, and. Over the last four years, my son has completely flipped. Like he is manipulated to the point where my son can't stand me, doesn't wanna be with me. He wants he would rather be with the person who was abusing him. And I've read the psychology behind this now. I'm starting to understand this. He feels like his dad's the one who can protect him. He's the big one. You know, he's the one saying he's gonna take custody and everything he's saying, you know, it's happening. He's given him everything he wants. Mom has rules at her house, mom has, you know, bedtime routine. You can't be on your phone all night or the internet all night. So he wants to be with his dad and his dad lets him do all these things. And it's just, you know, what are they called? The Disneyland dad. <laughs> and, and he knows this and he knows exactly what he's doing, manipulating my kids. So now he's trying to take custody of my son. We had to go to court um, last May because he wanted to do that. And I got a media report back. He told the mediator that I kept him from seeing the kids for a year. I'm like where did this come from? What year? What am I missing here? I've never kept my kids from him. I've always followed the court order. It's been fifty fifty, flip, you know, week on, week off. There's never been three days he has went without seeing the kids, except on summer visits. Um but the judge got the mediators report and he didn't even look into it. The judge just said, Okay, well the mediators report says you kept the kids from seeing him for a year. So I'm gonna give custody of the kids to dad. I'm like what? And my attorney just sitting there, we're like, our jaws to the floor. What do you mean? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm going to give both of the kids to dad since you, you've kept them from seeing him for a year. And I'm like, your honor, there, there's, this isn't true. This didn't happen. He goes, okay, well, we're going to set it for trial. I'm like, what? So now I have to go back to, I've been to court so many times. I think I've been to court at least 20, 20 times. So, okay. So now there is this motion file where we have to go to trial and have to talk about the custody of the kids. I've been to court twice and now I have to go back another two times. So in the meantime, he has full custody of both of the kids and he's using this as such an opportunity to show his control, you know, and his power and everything that he does and all the decisions, you know, I'm, I'm the custodial parent. I can do this. I can take her off her medication if I want to. I can schedule any kind of activities I want. He's been doing that, you know, like on my custodial time, putting them in, in programs and things. And I'm my daughter, she's the only one I can see right now and took her off her medication and just doing these things. And I'll, I'll send a message to him, you know, why are you taking her off a prescription? You're supposed to do that. Um, I'm the custodial parent, you know, I'm the one in charge and just throwing that around, you know, that he has the control now. And I know he's just so happy about that. I'm sure telling everybody about how he, he has custody of the kids and, um, just bragging, (laughs) telling everyone I'm crazy. I'm sure that's part of the thing that happened after I, I filed for divorce was the whole smear campaign. Um, I didn't realize that he was going, he was contacting all of my friends, even my family members after I left and telling them awful lies about me, um, Eight months after I filed for divorce, the guy that was came to my house to sell me solar contacted me, and he said, hey, I just wanted to check up on you. How are you doing? You know, I know that was an awful time in your life, you know, how things worked out for you and just wanted to connect with me. Well, I started connecting with this person, and I was learning how to do emotion code and um, body code and how to heal myself, and I was trying to get work on getting my certification so that I could help people do what I did I, I healed the PTSD and other things using energy healing and I connected with him and I thought you know I need some people I can work on for free that I can't charge because you can't do that when you're getting your certification so I said would you like to be one of my free guinea pigs and come by and I'll do sessions on you to help you heal from past traumas and um I can't charge you know just as a friend so he started coming to my house and hanging out we became friends I realized that he had just went through a he was married for seven months and we just went through his divorce and and found out, you know, he was married to a narcissist. So we had a lot in common, <laughs> and we're discussing these things, and he invited me to his church. We started, um, he would come and do things with me and my kids, like take my, me and my kids to the lake so we could play with his paddle board. And just had a lot of fun with him. He became a really good friend. He's still a really great friend to me. Uh, we never dated. It was never like that. He's just a really good friend. And I had other people, you know, coming to my house to do sessions, friends and stuff that I had made. In the meantime, my ex found out about this and looked him up, looked up who his um, past wife was, got a hold of her. Those two started dating. Um taking my kids on trips, you know, to hotel rooms. My kids would come back with these wild stories. And I'm like, I really don't want to hear about it, what you guys are doing, you know, (laughs) with hotel rooms and stuff. But I thought, this is a little strange that he looked up my best friend's ex-wife and started dating her. But it got really bad when they started contacting our friends, his friends, my friends, family members, texting them, emailing them, making anonymous phone calls, hiding their voices, using fake names, making up all kinds of lies about us. They started telling people that we were dating and that he was abusing my kids, that he caused me to file bankruptcy. He had nothing to do with my bankruptcy. My bankruptcy was from all the court and attorney fees that I was going through with the divorce. My attorney says it's probably be best that if you file bankruptcy with all this. So I did Had nothing to do with my friend. Um, yeah, I had people contacting me from high school on my social media and hey, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that I just got this text and they sent me screenshots. Um and, oh um if you know Cassandra, you know, she's dating this this guy who's um abusing her kids <laughs> and all these wild stories and it's like I can't believe this. He wound up calling the police and making my daughter my young daughter file a report um against this guy saying that he was abusing our daughter and i'm like what in the world they had had a little tickle party one day after trick-or-treating and she loves to tickle everybody so he tickled her back and she wouldn't stay off him because she just was all hyped up on candy and i'm like you just stay just stay back you know and calm down well i guess when she went back to her dad she told him about it so he called the police And I guess they found a little tiny spot on her that looked like the tip of an eraser, a little bruise on her body somewhere, took a picture of it, and said that he abused her and left a mark on her. I'm like, whoa. So now he's scared to come to my house because, you know, there's charges trying to be pushed against him. He's like, what is going on? Your ex is crazy. (laughs) like, I know. I'm so sorry. Well, he, he used the police to come to my house if I wasn't answering the phone quick enough. Or answering text messages. He sent them over to do welfare checks. Um, There was a couple other phone calls. I can't remember what they were about. Um, He'd had the police come. He kept using the police to try to harass or intimidate me. Um, Called CPS, said that my kids weren't being taken care of, or they were being abused. And I was like, it's constant. It's constant something. And calling every day when the kids were there flip-flop, week on, week off. He would call every day they were at my house. He was using them as spies in my home. He wanted to know every single thing we were doing. My kids had to report to him and they were often, you know, he would text them all day, call them. Even when I went home to see my family in Oklahoma, he was calling them the whole time I was there. And he just twists things. Even the stuff he presents in court, it's like he twisted things about the visits with my mom and tried to say that I violated the court order. And I'm like, I I don't know how you deal with it and you go to court and you're just, you have to defend yourself against lies.
0: (laughs) So, you know, people are listening to you and you are a jovial human being. You are, you know, you have a laugh and you're talking about these things and, and, and you have that still going on, that jovialness of you is going on. You know, part of it is probably that it is so absurd of what is going on that the only thing you can do mm-hmm. is laugh but at the same time this has to be hurting you know you are unable to see your children you know, or you're, or you are able to see your children but you you know you uh, everything is is very limited and uh, This has to take a toll on you. So you know what what's going on internally. You know because you're putting up a really good front of how you're feeling. Yeah. So you know, like, what are I guess you know the bits of despair of like thinking about, well, what if this court case doesn't work?
1: Yeah. It it's it is scary, and there are moments that I get really down about it, and. I feel so so sad. Like I can't believe I'm I'm going through this, and I feel like the courts don't understand. They they don't. I'm like, can they just see through this? These people are so good at hiding who they are. They're so charming and manipulative, and and I keep thinking somewhere they've got to see through this. The mask has got to come off. You know, I I do get really sad sometimes, and I do energy healing work on myself, and I know that a frustration comes up a lot. The first thing that I did when I got out of my home, I hired an emotional emotion code healer to work on me. It cost me a lot of money, but I thought, you know what, this is worth it because I need to be healed and whole to be able to move forward and to be a good mom for my kids. I have to find a way to get over this because I had some PTSD and I didn't realize that until my attorney had pointed it out. And I released a lot of negative energies I was holding on to, um, fear and and traumas from those events. It kept coming up, that one event where he attacked me, that kept coming up in sessions. I never told him about it, but it was coming up, that exact day was coming up, all these traumas and energies that I had picked up. I think if I didn't have this energy healing stuff to back back up on, I don't know where I would be. Because sometimes I look at myself now like, how did... I don't even feel like that happened to me. It's almost like it happened to somebody else and I'm watching it like a show, but...
0: So what are your conversations like with your kids right now? And uh, I, I specifically, I guess, not not your son because that, that contact is... Has really been uh, disturbed for a while. it will take a long time. But with your with your daughter, uh, what are your conversations like? How do you discuss the situation? Do you not discuss it at all? And and how are they feeling?
1: I have to be really careful with what I say to her. Uh, she keeps on saying, "Mommy, how come I I can't see you more? And why don't I get more time with you? This just doesn't seem fair." And I want to have the time like I do with daddy. I want to, you know, I love you both and I want to be with you both. And I said, yes, you know, I understand that. And I, I feel the same way, honey. I it is it's all going to get worked out pretty soon. You know, we'll figure it out. And she said, I, I want to come with you and, and be with you. And I just had to move out. I've had to move third time now. I've had to move. Um, housing costs has been awful here in California. So she's like, well, when you move, mom, I want to move with you. And I said, I know you do, baby. It rips my heart out <laughs> It rips my heart out, especially when I'm putting her to bed at night and thinking I only get like six days out of a month that I see her. And each second just feels like it counts so much more. You know, it's it's so difficult. I want to do every little thing she wants to do when she's there because I know that the time is so fleeting. And before, you know, I was doing mommy duties, you know, doing dishes or doing laundry or, you know, doing work, you know, and you have to do that at the same time when you're raising kids. Now, when she's there, it's, like, all about her. <laughs> it's, like, whatever you want to do, this day is about you. <laughs> she's just getting as much quality time as we can get. Let's play a game. Let's do anything. And part of me is, is nervous about moving forward with the court situation because it was 50-50, and I thought that was fine until he started doing this. And part of me wants to say, no, I, w- I want my kids back. I'm missing all this time with them. I haven't had seen my son or had any real time with him for a year now. How am I ever going to get this time back with him? But when I first left, I found out that my ex was calling suicide hotlines. It was like suicide hotlines, porn lines, 700 Club, over and over and over. I saw it on the phone bill, and I presented that to court, and that really scared me. And I thought, what happens if the judge does see through this? What if he awards me custody? That almost scares me, too. Is he going to flip out? Is he going to get suicidal again? I mean, he used to threaten suicide when I was married to him. Is he going to hurt my kids? If, if I wind up doing this, is it going to hurt his ego so bad that he's going to hurt my kids? You know, I mean, I've seen him flip out with his rages, punching holes in walls, threatening to kill us, threaten to bash my son's skull in out of a bit of anger against him, punch my a hole in my son's door. He has a very violent temper. And my kids used to be so scared of him. I'm, I'm nervous that... If the judge does award me custody, I don't know. We might be in danger. He's a scary person. And people don't know that. That All they see is the charming facade he puts on. He works at a school with other kids. And I think, I don't know how he works with school kids. He doesn't even have patience for his own kids. I don't know how he does it all day with this mask. It's, it's like two different people. So I'm just like, I'm going to ask for 50-50. I, I want my kids. I want them safe. And I want to protect them.
0: So when so when it comes to the court case uh with that mediator's you know uh, error before which was it was not in the basis of uh truth and then the judge took it as face value without it doing any work are you do you go back to the same judge how does the process work and if uh, is there a way to um you know get that judge removed uh, from being the judge on the case?
1: This is a different judge that we're going okay. to right now. So I'm really happy about that. I have a good feeling about him. He seems to really want to listen and hear things, but it is a trial. I've never been in a trial before. Whereas before the judge I had, you just had to say quick, quick, quick. He just wanted to hear my attorney. He really didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And that particular judge he, his very first day on the bench was my first day of my um, divorce hearing. And that was awkward. He's like, this is my first day on a hearing. He just got appointed and he didn't even want to make any decisions on the case. And that's how he kind of was the first couple of hearings. I've been in front of him enough now. (laughs) He doesn't really like to make decisions. I'm thinking, how are you a judge when you don't like to make decisions on things? He's always like pushing it off. We'll push it off here. Or you can see this judge and we'll push this matter out. And I'm like, Why can't he just tell him to sell the home? If he can't refinance it, then tell him to sell it. Obviously, that's the, you know, that just makes common sense, you know, or, or whatever the thing is, you know, my, my ex didn't, um, he wanted to put the kids in daycare when he couldn't watch them. And like the whole summer, he'd have to work a lot in the summer times or the school schedule wouldn't work. You know, he's a teacher, but he'd have off part of the summer. So my kids were in daycare. All this time, And I said, why don't, why don't you just let me watch the kids instead of them being in daycare? I'm home. I work from home now. I can do that. And the judge is like, well, you know, I don't really want to, I don't really want to rule on this, you know, it's his time. So he can make that choice. And my attorney was like, you know, we should have the first rights that there's, there's a law, I guess, that you can, you can cite for first rights. She has first rights to watch them instead of daycare. But the judge was just so funny about making any rules <laughs> he's like oh you know you're the parents I'll let you guys decide this I'm thinking he has no idea you you can't co-parent with a narcissist you just can't he wound up hiring a friend and saying this friend was pay, charging him $15 an hour and sticking me with half the bill and making me have to pay and I'm like this isn't fair Gee, any I've looked in the daycare most I can't find any that charge over five dollars an hour they're licensed daycare you're putting her with some friend that's 17 years old, telling me they're charging 15 dollars an hour and making me pay for half of it when I'm home. I can be watching my kid, but this is this is what narcissists do. They gotta have control. They they're gonna make you pay for leaving. They're gonna smear you. They're gonna take take the kids from you. It's just, I'm like, this is more of a nightmare trying to divorce him than it was being married to him. Like I don't know. I don't know how people do it. I, I definitely don't know how I would do it without using energy healing and just prayers. You know, I do have a good support system now. I do have some really good friends now that help me, you know, with the stress and everything. And and, and I actually just got married last month to a wonderful man. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know how I attracted this man because it's complete opposite of everybody else I've ever met in my life. I, I know this because I released energies that were attracting narcissists to my life. And now I I met somebody who's loving and kind. He has no mask. He passed all the tests, and he has helped me so much too.
0: Is, is it the friend?
1: No, nope, nope. But okay. he was at the wedding. <laughs> he was so. At the wedding.
0: Uh, how long? Like, so you got married? How long after you divorced?
1: Um, four years after the divorce.
0: Okay, just so everyone's listening, yeah. she didn't get back into a, a wedding, <laughs> uh, a marriage, right after.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: I didn't jump into them. <laughs> yeah. I do have one more question. When it comes to the court stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what would be the biggest thing that you would tell people when it comes to court and what you've had to deal with in the aftermath uh, of once the divorce proceedings happened that you could have done better that you didn't do?
1: I think being more organized and keeping a daily log of everything would have helped a lot. I started doing that in the beginning, but my good friend that was around a lot said, oh, you shouldn't do that. You you shouldn't be keeping track of all this. Just focus on the positive. So that's what I was doing. Just focus on the positive things, trying to move forward. And I thought, you're right. I don't want to keep track of all this negative stuff because I might attract it. Well, now in hindsight, I'm thinking, no, I should have went with that. I should have kept better notes. And been more organized, kept track of every single phone call, all the, um, the things that were happening. So when I went before the judge, I, it would look more professional because they, they do respect that when you come in and you're, you're organized, you're thoughtful, you don't get emotional, and you just keep it to the facts. Yeah, because they don't know you. They, they don't know you and they don't know him. So.
0: so if you have any other words of wisdom or advice for the people listening, what would it be?
1: Um, don't get down on yourself and don't be ashamed of what you went through. I didn't talk for a long time because I felt very ashamed of my decisions and was very embarrassed and was afraid for people to find out. You got to look around. There are other people going through the same thing and there are resources out there. There are women who've been through it who are saying, Hey, talk to me. I'll help you. I'll listen, share your story. And we got to be strong. There's a lot. A lot of this going around a lot more than, you know, you're not the only
0: one. You're not alone. Well, Cassandra, I want to thank you for being on the show with me today and sharing all of your experience and knowledge with everyone. I know you're going to help a lot of people. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. Sorry for all the rambling and the discombobulation.
0: (laughs) There, no, you, you did a beautiful job. You did a great job. So thank you so much. And for everyone listening from Cassandra and I, we hope you have a good night.